Satan's Second Strike, Get the Woman, is the title of message number seven of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, The Church and the World of the Future, a study of the book of Revelation. From the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's scripture text is Revelation chapter 12, verses 6 through 16, and it reads as follows. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she might be nourished for one thousand two hundred and sixty days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time, and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with a flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth, and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. Lord, just as we began tonight by saying, For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? We confess tonight that there is no other besides You. There is no other equal to You. And so, Lord, we've come tonight to express to You our praise and our gratitude for Your grace, for Your provision, and for the assurance that You give us that You are the God who is able. Lord, we thank You for the rock-solid truth that we have to build our foundation of belief upon. And we thank You that You've called us together as Your people to together grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we together have been studying this great book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank You for the truth that You've revealed to us through it. And we pray that as we look again tonight at what You would have us to know, that we would have minds that are ready to be transformed because of Your Word, through Your Word. Lord, we thank You for Your servant Joel. We pray that You will use him tonight to teach us and that we would be ready to receive what He would have from You for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you know, here at Northland we have never hesitated to go a little bit overboard 
to stretch a little bit in order to provide a, a worthy illustration of the message that we feel you should hear. And tonight is no exception to that. In fact, we're going to try to stretch you a bit through a couple of different ways. One is the medium itself that we're going to use, and also just the struggle that is within the message within the medium. Does that make sense so far? A lot of stuff. And, and here's what it's about. You know, as Joel has been teaching us on the revelation of Jesus Christ, last week as we learned that Satan's first line of attack is against the child. And tonight as he shows us how the next line of attack is against the woman. We thought it might be interesting to illustrate for you how down through the last few years anyway, uh, that has been demonstrated to us in a lot of ways in our popular culture. And as the church believes that God truly controls everything, including those kinds of things, we thought we might illustrate that for you a bit tonight, again, by taking a step over maybe some of your boundary lines in this. But bear with us and remember this is just an illustration, okay? And so with all of that said, I want to introduce to you three women that I believe you already know and love very much. But I want to show you a side of them that I'm pretty sure you've not seen before. No pun intended here. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, where do I go from here now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're already liking it. Okay, we'll we'll go from here. Here's the deal. These these three women. I want to show you part of them that I know I had not seen until I saw them do this little sketch. So I want to introduce to you my good friends, Ms. Eleanor Rodham Tracy. Sharon Steinem Diachesan, and you're familiar with Cher and you even know about Roseanne, I give you simply Teresa. We are so pleased to have this opportunity to sing for you a few songs that we picked out on our own. Well, actually, Vernon was supposed to choose the songs, but he just never got around to it. So I went ahead and took care of it. Oh, thank you, Eleanor. You are so strong. Oh, don't thank me, Teresa. Thank all the women who have blazed the path before us. Our ancestors, the suffragettes, and all the sisterhood since who realized that we don't have to wait around for men to tell us what to do. Eleanor, tell us about the first time you stepped out on your own as your own woman making your own way. Yeah. How did you feel? First I was afraid I was petrified Kept thinking I could never live without him by my side I spent oh so many nights just feeling sorry for myself Then I grew stronger And I learned how to get along Now you see me, somebody new I'm not that crazy mixed up girl who was still in love with you Weren't you the one who tried to hurt me with your lies? Did you think I'd crumble? Did you think I'd lay down and die? Oh, no, not I. I will survive. Oh, as long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive. I've got all my life to live. I've got 
Yes. You know, I know what you are talking about, cause I've been cheated, been mistreated. When will I be loved? Well, I've been put down and I've been pushed around. When will I be loved? I've been made blue. I've been lied to. Sisters, we don't have to play by their rules anymore. It's a male-dominated society out there, but just because they're men doesn't mean they're right. We need to step out of the shadow and live our own lives our way. We're gonna do it. Give Sand a chance, we'll take it. Read the Sand and rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. That is so right. I am tired of being a second-class citizen because I'm a woman and waiting on men because we all know it takes them forever to get anything done. Who do they think they are telling us how to dress, what to think? I need my freedom, honey. You don't own me. I'm not just one of your many toys. You don't own me. Say I kick with other boys And don't tell me what to do And don't tell me what to say And please, when I go out with you Don't put me on display Cause you don't own me Don't try to change me in any way You don't own me Don't tie me down cause I'll never stay I'm young and I love to be young I'm free and I love to be free To live my life the way I want To say and do whatever I please Cause you don't own me You've been losing when you oughta not bet. 
been saying when you oughta been changing. Yeah, what's right is right, and you ain't been right yet. you want to join the freedom train with us? Yeah, don't you want to be a whole woman on your own, needing no one, strong and independent, a complete human? Well, yeah, I do. I think. Girls, I'm weak. Sometimes being on my own feels like being alone. And I start to think, there's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he turns out to be someone who watch over me. <laughs> no, no, Teresa, Teresa, Teresa. I told you, don't cry out loud. Just it inside. Learn how to hide your feelings. Fly high and proud. And if you should fall, remember we still can have it. I get along without you very well. Of course I do. Except when soft rains fall and drip from leaves, then I recall the thrill of being sheltered in your arms. Of course I do. I've gotten you just like I should. I've forgotten you just like I should. Of course Except to hear your name Or someone's laugh that is the same But I've forgotten you just like I should What a guy 
Isn't it tragically ironic that the longings of secular music can never be answered by secular means? Isn't it interesting that those songs that are so ambivalent, wanting to be Strong, wanting to be taken care of, wanting to be alone, wanting to be loved, are part of this culture. You know, for those of you who read your uh, chapter for today, the twelfth chapter of the book of Revelation, you will see that in that chapter, the woman is isolated. Now, those of you who know your scripture well know that this is not the first time that the last book in the Bible where Satan isolates a woman and goes after her is like the first book of the Bible. Chapter 12 of Revelation corresponds to Genesis chapter 3 where Satan also isolates the woman and goes after her. It is also important to note that in Scripture, although these women are historic individuals, they always stand for more than just individuals. Just like Eve stood for women in general, and sometimes the entire mankind in general. As you read Scripture, Paul likens Eve to the gender of women. And then as you read the Old Testament, all of the believing people are likened to the wife of God. 
And as you read the New Testament, the church is called the bride of Christ. So therefore, this feminine image is more than just an individual. It tells a story about our culture, and it tells a story about how Satan would come after our entire culture. Now, I want you to see the pattern even more exactly. If you will turn to Revelation chapter 12, you will read about the frustration of the dragon. Remember that in this place, this woman is all alone. There is a very obvious absence of male spiritual presence, male spiritual strength. Just as there was in Genesis chapter 3, there was a male presence, but there was no spiritual strength. And you you remember that the dragon was frustrated because he was waiting for this woman to have the baby in order to devour the child. And as soon as she had the child, the child was taken up to heaven. And so it says in verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the child. In other words, if I can't have the male child, I'll get the woman that he loves. I will get the woman who is connected to him, and maybe by that I will come close to getting to him. That's the pattern. Satan really believes that if he doesn't have access to some men, if he can get the women connected to them, he can have two for one. Again, you see the pattern. You see it uh, with Eve when he didn't come immediately to Adam. I don't know why, but he didn't. But by getting Eve, he got Adam. You remember the strong man, Samson, in the Bible. Well, Satan didn't go after Samson. He got Delilah. Delilah was a strong woman. But by getting Delilah, he got Samson. You remember, he couldn't really get to Job. Job, the righteous man. Job, the one who loved God. And so what he tried was to try to discourage Job by getting his wife who said to Job in the midst of his troubles, why are you going through this? Curse God and die. Hoping that by getting the woman, he could get Job. You see the pattern. And so therefore, we are in this place in our culture where Satan very much wants to isolate the woman. Not only so that he can have her, but so that he can have men as well. It is his pattern. Now, it says in the book that she is thrown into the wilderness. As a matter of fact, in this chapter, it says this. In verse 6, it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. And in verse 13, it says this, or verse 14, I'm sorry, it says this. And the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished. So there is this, on the one hand, very horrible kind of isolation, this this place of loneliness and fear. But on the backside of it, there is a there's a, a hope to it. There's a there's a good part about it. You know Scripture well enough to know that every time there's a condemnation in Scripture, there's a threat of mercy. God never allows condemnation without grace. Never allows it. Because his nature is love. 
And so there is this, there is this sense in which all of us, not just women, but men also, all of us will be at one time or another in our lives out in this wilderness all alone, very afraid, asking, why God do I not have the companion that I need? Why is it that you've left me out here? I don't understand. Again, the patterns in Scripture. When the relationships of Hagar broke down, through no fault of her own, by the way, she was simply doing what she was ordered to do. She mothered Abraham's firstborn child. And then Sarah had Isaac. And, and Sarah looked at Hagar and at Ishmael playing, and she predicted the trouble between the boys, and she went straight to Abraham and kind of took over. And he said, Abraham, I want you to put that woman out of this camp. And Abraham acquiesced. Okay. And so the next day, he took Hagar and his firstborn son in his arms. Can you imagine how he felt? Where did he take them? To the wilderness. And he deposited them there. And so... Here's Hagar and her little boy in a place of loneliness. No one to take care of them. And she's so frightened and she's so discouraged that she, she places the, the little boy a bow's distance so that she cannot hear him whimpering when he dehydrates and dies. What happened to Elijah when his relationships broke down? Now, they were political relationships. They were, they were um, uh, relationships not along family lines, but along uh, 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 national lines. And, and what happened when Jezebel got fed up with him and went after him? Where did he fly to? It went to the wilderness, didn't he? And he was alone, and he was scared, and he was so discouraged, he looked up at God and he said, Oh, God, I'm not any better than my father's. Take my life. That's how depressed he was. How many of you have been disappointed with relationships to the extent you're in a wilderness right now? You feel so alone. You're so discouraged. You are so lonely. You know how usually we react to that? There are three basic ways we react to that. The first way is just to flee from the dream of the ultimate relationship. Just give up on it. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're saying, look, I've tried this stuff. It doesn't work. I mean, it may work for some people, never for me. So I'm going to give up. I'm going to be satisfied with mediocre relationships. And I'm going to give my time to things that relieve my pain. You know what? I believe that most of the rise of the use of drugs in this country are the direct result from people not getting the love they so desperately want. Because when you're loved, you don't need the drugs. You just don't. You know what? I believe that the booming entertainment industry, the multi, multi, multi-billion dollar entertainment industry is directly the result of people not knowing how to build relationships. 
being totally ineffective at building relationships one another with one another. You know what? We can't love each other. Think I'll go watch some TV. I don't know what to do with you. I think I'll go play a game. Somehow I'll entertain myself. I believe that a good part of the productivity of this country, the good part of workaholism in this country that used to only infect men, but now it is infecting women in huge numbers, is a direct result of people not building intimate relationships. I can't seem to get what I want or what I need or what I'd love to have through love, and so therefore I'm going to work and trying for praise and status there. Believe I'll just go get some money. I believe, this may surprise you, (laughs) I believe that part of the evidence of our love of animals these days has a great deal to do with people not knowing how to love people. How many people do you know, listen to this now, who have a better relationship with their pet right, than they have with any person they know. They talk more with their pet. They share more with their pet. They're happier with their pet. Do you really believe that the rise of the movement of animal rights in this country has just to do with the discovery, oh, animals, well, they're important. No. I'll tell you why we think animals are so important. Because we're so frustrated with people. We have raised animals to the status of people. So there's all kinds of people that have kind of given up on personal relationships and trying to fill it in with other stuff. They're flying. They're flying away from ever trying to love each other intimately again. There's the other reaction then, and that's fight. That's what we had demonstrated tonight. These ridiculous decades we've just gone through. These adolescent conflicts between the sexes. Come on. Good heavens. You won't love me? Well, then I don't need you, boy. I'll do it on my own. Yeah, well, I don't care, girl. See? This kind of thing where we just say, you know what? If we can't be intimate by loving, we'll be intimate by fighting. You know what? Many people don't realize this. Fighting is the second most intimate you can get with a person. It's true. When you're fighting with somebody, you have their full attention. It's true. It's simply a way of getting intimate. It doesn't feel as good. But you got all of them right there. And so we create this goofy warfare. And we create this isolation. We build on what Satan has started. We help him. Isolate us from the very people that we need. The very people God has given us to love. I read a quote a few years ago 
from Gloria Steinem. For those of you who don't know, Gloria Steinem is one of the founders of American feminism. This was the quote. I could hardly believe it when I read it. She said, I have become the man I wanted to marry. (laughs) You know, that not only casts aspersions on her, that casts aspersions on men, doesn't it? She gave up. Decided to do it herself and be very angry about it. You go in, in high school classes today and you bring, in a, in a, you go to a public high school today, bring up the boys versus the girls thing and you'll see a, a, an eruption of protectiveness and hostility. Boy, you're not telling me what to do. I've arrived now. See, it's the first reaction. If you put into a high school situation what you believe to be a healthy relationship today, it looks sick to them. If I were to go to them and tell them how my wife and I relate to one another, they'd think we were nuts. If I were to say to them, my wife tells me regularly, which she does, Hunter, if I had my brothers, I'd follow you all over the place. There would never be more than two inches separating from us. I would follow you everywhere. I'd listen to your every word. I would rather be with you than any place in this world. You know what a high school girl would think about that right now? Boy, she's in bondage. She's a slave. She's got no brains on her own. They'd think that was totally sick. I think it's biblical love. Where the man and the woman are one, they're supposed to feel like that. If I were to tell these guys who are all getting charged up to go fix the world what I think of my wife's discernment, you know what? We have an overabundance in this congregation of people with earned doctrines. But let me tell you something. If I have someone, which I do periodically, some Ph.D. come up to me and they say, you know, Hunter, I disagreed with your second point today. My first reaction to that, now you're not going to believe this, but it literally is true. And this is kind of a confession. I I don't like this very well. But my first reaction to that is, well, that just means you're too dumb to get it. (laughs) It's my first reaction. It is. And And then I catch myself and say, no, you probably got something to say here. And I try to learn. From what, but it's my first reaction. Now listen, listen. If my wife comes up to me and says, Hunter, I disagreed with your second point today. My first reaction is to think to myself, my goodness, how could I have been such an idiot to preach that? It is my first reaction. Her credibility with me is at 100%. If she says something, I believe it. Well, you tell that to high school boys today, and they think you're an idiot. They think you've got it all wrong. You ought to listen to the experts, not to your wife. What, she got a theology degree? No. She's just got a line to God. Now, there's a third. There's a third reaction. The third reaction is not hostility. It's, it's for people who haven't quite decided yet. They're just kind of wandering out there in faith. And they're asking the question again and again, 
God, when? When will you give me that companion that you've given me the hunger for? I uh, am one of the people that's helping train a young man here at church for ministry. I know this young man very well, and I, I admire him. I tell you what, I look at this kid, and I think 20 years from now, this kid's going to be changing the world for Christ. He's got so much ability, so much potential than I ever had. And one day, last week, we were coming back from a hospital uh, visit, and he was real quiet. We had gotten into a conversation previously about how God had really blessed him, you know, and he just had said, you know, God has just given me everything. He's given me a family that is absolutely wonderful. He's given me a, 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 a friends that will last forever. He's, he's given me... A, uh, a church that I absolutely love. He's given me a call on my life that's unmistakable. I know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. But today he was so quiet and I knew what was wrong. He has a hole in his heart about this big. You see, he hadn't got a partner for that ministry. And he, I said, what's happening? He says, why is it, do you think, that God is not giving me a wife to share all this with. Why is that? Well, this is a young man. And I can imagine, if he's asking that question at his age, how intense that question is for those of you in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s. Listen to this. I'm sorry to have to say that, but I say this, but I I also believe that some of you whom God has already given a partner, are still asking that question. When's he going to give me the person I need to share all this with? And that's the point. When God leads you into the wilderness, it is to learn a very valuable lesson. And unless you learn this lesson, you'll never get out of the wilderness. And the lesson is one that Hagar learned. Because when she was out there all alone, all alone, Who answered her needs? God did. God provided. God provided food and water for her and her son. It was God that provided. Who answered the needs of Elijah when he was out in the wilderness? Wasn't any person. It was God. God provided. Who answered the needs of Jesus when he was in the wilderness? It was God that provided. You know why God has you in that wilderness? I don't know how long I'll have you there. He had me there for years. I spent years of aching loneliness before I met my wife. But I want to tell you this. This is what I learned in those years. The only one that can meet that need is God. There's not a person alive that can give you what you need. And when we learn that, when God does provide that person, We understand that that person is a gift, not a need. And it makes all the difference in the world in our relationship. And so, there was this woman in the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation who had her need answered, it says in verse 11, by the blood of the Lamb. There was a man who laid down his life for her. 
And that man's name was Jesus. And it was after that, then, that God was free to give her and all of those she stood for, the companions. Now, what about when God does bring that companion along? Well, I want you to know there is a biblical model for relationships. Now, I'm going to make some of you mad. But there are very few Sundays we don't have somebody get up and stomp out of here. You know, that's true. Usually sitting right in the front row, you know. (laughs) They they just get disgusted and they get up and stomp right out. And so those of you who didn't stomp out on the the swim thing will probably stomp out now. (laughs) But that's okay. Because we want to speak the truth, and if it offends you, then at least you're offended at the right thing. Now, God has a model for relationships, and it's very plain in Scripture how men and women are to relate to one another. And the, and the, and the fact is that God wants both equality and submission in a relationship. Both equality and submission. Yes, in Galatians 3.28, it says... It says that there is no male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. All of us stand before the cross in equality. But it also says in this book, watch this, men. It also says in this book that there are people who have been designated to provide spiritual leadership in a relationship, and men, that's you. Now... I don't know whether that really turns your crank or not. I do know it can't be all that great a thing that everybody's trying for, or we'd have more men doing it. But I do I do know this. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't change a thing how you feel about it. What is really important is it's true. God has designated the man to be a spiritual leader in the relationship. Now, please, this is not about rank. This is about role. God has given us certain roles to play out because of the way we're wired. And we're fools if we don't submit according to those roles. And men submit as well as women do. The Bible says submit to one another. Men, if you don't listen to your wife on matters of detail on matters of discernment of people on matters of process you're nuts (laughs) you are you're shooting yourself in the foot women if you don't submit to your husbands on matters of perspective on matters of what is important for the long run and what we can let slide right now, you will drive yourself nuts and everybody around you. (laughs) You must submit. It's not about rank. It's about role. It's not about ability. Men, you didn't get chosen because you have a better, you have more ability. It's got nothing to do with it. I have no idea why he chose us for this role. There, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. You know, I, I told you, I told one, one group, uh, one time that when, when we were, remember when you were little and in elementary class and you had, you had, uh, 
the fire drills. And, and, the, and the person closest to the door was the leader. Happened to be in my class, I was closest to the door. And so, you know, the teacher said, you know, Joey, if, if you, here's the map, here's the door you go out of. We'll practice several times, but, but you're the leader. It had nothing what to do, whatsoever to do with my ability or my natural charisma. Nothing. I was the one closest to the door. Well, in here, the door opens, God deposits a man. He's the one closest to the door. I have no idea why. He's the one closest. He's, that's his role. And that's as much as we know. But we do know this. If you don't respect the way God has made a relationship to operate, you'll pay for it. We know that. So, men, listen to me on this. There are two things I want you to hear tonight. Two things about spiritual leadership. And by the way, there's a, there's a terrific amount of uh, information that uh, Pastor Dick Moulton and Pastor Kevin Yurichko have put on the back of those sermon outlines that I think would benefit you a great deal. But I want, I want to, um, to just tell you two things tonight that, that I want to stick in your mind, no matter how far you can get with that process. First of all, I want to tell you what spiritual leadership is and what it isn't. Spiritual leadership is not knowing all the answers. Spiritual leadership is not even being stronger than your wife. Spiritual leadership is not being wiser or being more holy. Let me tell you what spiritual leadership is. It's exactly what Jesus did. Spiritual leadership is laying your life down for your wife and your children. It's sacrificial love. It's being like Jesus was. That has nothing to do with dominance. Listen, I want to tell you something. This is not a battle. This is not a battle. We're going to look so stupid in ten years if we keep fighting among one another. Who's men? Women? Who's You know, come on. Any man that needs a woman to be weak for him is, in the language of the Old West, a lazy, good-for-nothing, yellow-bellied, sap-sucking coward. It's not, it's, not about, it's not about strength. It's not about a woman being weak. By the same token, any woman... You didn't think I was going to leave you out of this, did you? Any woman that says, okay, here we go, we're going to argue about everything, and whoever argues longest and best wins, is a pushy, contentious, Chinese water torture dripping hedgehog. It's just the way it is. This is not about being dominant. It's about being servant. Men, your job is to love God and watch what happens. Do you want to know how to be a spiritual leader? I'll give you, I'll give you the simple course. I can give it to you in three words. Three words. It's not the short course. It's not the easy course. But it's the simple course. I can tell you right now how to be a spiritual leader. Three words. You ready? Read the Bible. That's it. Read the Bible. 
and don't read it so that you can work your relationship better. Read it to come to know the God that's revealed in it. Read it to come to love Him and watch what happens to your heart and that's where you get your spiritual potence. It's not by the ideas you have. It's not by how you discipline your life. When people see that you love God and you're trying to live like Jesus, you are a leader. It's got nothing to do with how you're wired. You are a leader. Everybody that reads this book becomes a leader. So men, you're no different from anybody. Read the Bible. And then, one more word. Deal in spiritual matters. You know, most men think that the only way to leadership is because they're pretty good at fixing stuff. They'll just fix life. You got I'll fix it. <laughs> Tell me what your problem is. I'll give you an answer. <laughs> leadership does not go to those who can jerry-rig life. You know why? Because no matter how well you fix something, it'll break again. It always breaks. It never works. You've got to deal men in spiritual matters because nothing else matters for long. You've got to deal in spiritual matters because nothing else matters for long. And you read this book, and you're going to be dealing in spiritual matters. You're going to have the mind of Christ. You're going to take the long view. You're going to know what's important and what's not important. And you're going to have the love of Christ in order to stick to what's important. What happens if you don't? What happens if you don't is that we will continue to be a people who are totally lost, trying to arrange relationships by being autonomous, complete in ourselves so that we can choose to love one another as we choose. Yeah, that works. <laughs> what will happen is, even if you get your life to work, even if you get your marriage to work, which not many of you will, even if you can fix it day to day, when you get to be an old person and you'll look back, it won't make any sense. You'll have done everything right mechanically, but you will have no long-term meaning. Albert Einstein once said, and I want Tim and Alice to come out. We've got one more song we want to... This is kind of paradigm of our, of our culture, as it could be in the future, as it has been in the last 30 years. But Albert Einstein once said this, Our age seems to be characterized by the perfection of means and the confusion of ends. You know what that means? It means that everybody tries to do everything right, but at the end they go, What was that all about? Listen to this. It was a liberated marriage. We shared the household chores, of course. We understood each other's feelings right down to the day of our sensible divorce. I didn't ask him for 
for a penny I'd had my liberated training So off he went with his hair off bronze To find the light like Khalil Gibran I got some rest from the drugs he did He got his quest, I got the kid And oh, I am not complaining So I set off to be a writer A modern mother on her own I wrote up happenings at galleries Turned down jobs with salaries Stayed freelance and alone I fought the battles of the 60s Which you recall were rather draining When men were thick, I hit the fray Became a jerk, got equal pay I faced down chauvinistic slobs I won those fights, improved the jobs And oh, I am not complaining My husband found himself his ashram Lost 40 pounds and went through hell Then one day he came back from limbo Found himself some bimbo And moved to New Rochelle I raised my son and I have boyfriends My choices sometimes take explaining I'd meet some jock, my friends would stop He'd stay a while, I'd drive him off I kept my space, preserved my turf Six months, I'd send him back to surf And oh, oh I was not complaining So now my son's halfway through college I pay tuition like a fine I'm still this feisty freelance writer As a may well hold And a well-toned 49 I find that getting work is harder Each job I want takes more campaigning And a sweet young thing to hire me now Those MBAs making 50 thou Who smile and ask what I stayed home and had babies. But I am not complaining. And in the evening at my window As I watch Jersey growing 
this troubling emotion summed up in this notion. I wish I'd stayed with him. Lord knows each day with him was madness. As I have spent my life maintaining, but more and more I recall the joy, my golden dreamer, my lost boy. Our life was life in the twilight zone, but no worse than a life alone. And oh, well, I chose my way. And I am not complaining. You can make life work. You can do it alone. Or you can make life work and you can tie all of the pieces together and be virtually alone. But to what end? It will not make sense. You will not have what you need without Christ. This is not about men and women. This is about building relationships like they were designed. You don't have a problem. If you have a problem with that, you don't have a problem against people. You have a problem against God. But for those of you who want that kind of love that is serving love, who want that eternal perspective, that's available for you today. And the only one that can give that to you is Jesus Christ. It's the only one. He's the only one that can come in your relationship and give it the eternal dimension and give you the love you need to give. Pray with me. God, forgive us for our voluntary isolation. Some of us from broken relationships have been thrown into the wilderness And at first it was a matter of circumstance and then it became a matter of self-confinement. God, while we are there, provide for us. Help us to look to you as our provider. And the sacrifice of Christ is that which means everything. But then, Father, lead us out into the relationships that are reflective of the character of Christ. Father, if there's anyone here who has never made a commitment to Christ this morning but wants to, let them do that now. 
by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. I can't get, I've, I, I've lived in sin and I can't get back by myself. I need you to forgive my sin and come and live there and make of my life what pleases you. And for the rest of us, God, make of our love what pleases you. And I would pray a special anointing on the men gathered in this sanctuary that they would feel called to spiritual strength, spiritual credibility, spiritual leadership. Not by virtue of their strength, but by virtue of their faith and their obedience to Jesus Christ. I pray all this in his name. Amen. Go in peace.